Hey everyone, welcome to The Leadership Locker. My name is Rich Cardona and on this podcast, we dig through the lessons of today's most exceptional leaders to help you break through your barriers. If you're trying to progress your career, if you are trying to accelerate your entrepreneurial journey, which I know you all are, if you're looking to have a smoother transition out of the military because it is incredibly difficult, then you're in the right place. My guests and I are going to give you the tools and the resources to accelerate your curve, help you surge, and just crush it. So here we go. You are my guest today, Larry, but you know, I don't like to introduce people. I like them to introduce themselves. So I told you about 10 seconds ago, I didn't prepare any questions. The only, <laughs> the only question I have for you is, can you tell us your name and what it is that you do? Oh, now, now you're putting me on the spot, Rich. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm on my own podcast, right? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Go ahead and tell us about yeah, the, all no, that. No, it, it's all good. And you know, I'm just going to keep this simple. I'm going to get right to the point on this, Rich. Yes, do it. And, and this is what I do. And I throw it out there, you know, this way for a reason, because I always say I'm a sports geek and a sales nerd. And I absolutely love the sales profession and raising the game. Mm -hmm. I always say this, this is what I do. In a world full of empty suits, I'm leading the charge. I'm leading a revolution of authenticity, integrity, and substance in the sales profession because I firmly believe we can all do better. Mm-hmm. And it all starts with us. So this is perfect. I, I told you this was going to happen. I was like, in the first 15 seconds, I'm going to know exactly what to ask you. What makes you the minority then in that industry, uh, in this industry, and that kind of thought leadership? And I, I know it to be true because I don't see content like yours. I know we're connected to the same people. You know, you just talked about Tabitha and Scott and, and all these mm-hmm. wonderful people who are clearly head and shoulders above everyone else and just different in the way they connect how are you the minority in that you know and and i and i would well let me flip this because i wish we weren't the minority Mm -hmm. but unfortunately we are for one simple reason is um i stand behind what i say why i say it how i say it and maybe that will throw me in the minority Mm -hmm. because i think though you know, authenticity and being genuine and integrity. I, I think deep down in our hearts, we all know that that's the case, but we, we kind of funnel that off to the side mm-hmm. and we chase all these other things. Yep. Um, and we can define things, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping it simple, but you know, we chase all the things that are happening now with everything else, but staying true to who we are, having integrity. And what's really interesting is this stuff's not freaking rocket science by no means what I'm talking about and, and what I know you're about and, and everybody else that we associate with rich mm-hmm. is, you know, we, we live in a world and, it, and it's, I never overcomplicated anything and I yep. kept things quite simple yep. and still to this day I do is, Hey, listen, man, we live in a world where people just don't trust us. Yes. Especially if you're in sales, right? We live in a world where they don't trust us. They think we're full of BS Mm -hmm. and they're just skeptical about everything. And rightfully so, because the sales world has done it to themselves. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I would say, you know, mirror never lies. So, you know, what's interesting is I was on someone's podcast last week. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And they kind of asked me, hey, can you share with me, you know, your journey, you know, what caused you to get where you're at right now? And I said, well, you know, it was a series of, you know, ass whoopings over time yep. that got me to where I'm at. But if, but if I, can I just share a story? Because I think it'll help your listeners understand where I'm coming from with this. Yeah, please do. Would you mind? Of course not. No, thanks. So it was about, it was about a tw- little bit over 20 years ago. I was the number one salesperson on my sales team. So I grew up in a, in one of the, and I, and I beat the heck out of it, but it's, it, you know, provided well for my family. I came out of the most dysfunctional laggard broken promise sales channel that ever existed. Right. Yep. And, um, and I'm not here to discredit it. It's just that, you know, 1999 is alive and well as we head into 2020. That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. But it was, but it was about 20 years ago. I finally got an appointment with a chief financial officer of one of the top companies on my targeted account list. And so finally, after years in the making, it's the day, right? The day I'm walking in to finally meet the person face to face. And so here I am, right? I'm in a suit, all that. I, I, you know, I'm just, I just think I'm just big time, right? (laughs) And I walk in, we shake hands, do the small pleasantries and start asking some questions and things like that. We start getting into some dialogue, some business dialogue and literally rich 15 minutes into the conversation. I get this. Whoa, time out, time out, time out, time out. I have to stop you. Oh man. And I go, okay. And this CFO said this, and this forever changed the course of where I went in sales. He goes, you know what? You're the third salesperson I've spoken to face-to-face in my office in the last week. You walk, you talk, and you act like the other two bozos that have come in my office. You ask the same set of pre-canned questions, possibly delivered in a little bit different way. Yep. But... I'm tired of it. And you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm unloading on you. <laughs> you talk about, you know, what would most people do at that point? Shrink in their seat or Shrink. run out, or maybe there'd be a Larry sized hole through the door. Well, well you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I always said, you know, my skin's pretty thick. So I, you know, I've been clawed at, screamed at and all that. So my skin, even 20 years ago is pretty reptilian thick. <laughs> and but you, you know what? I had some pride and ego and I go, you know what? Game over. And I, and I had like a legal pad notepad and I just folded it up. Yeah. And I go mentally, I said, you know what? Game over, right? Kind of been exposed. That was the, you know, I didn't know that was the beginning of what an empty suit's all about, but something I decided to almost get up, right? I had one butt cheek off the chair <laughs> and something in there said, Larry, sit down this can turn into a freaking great learning moment. Yep. And, you know, I, for those who know me really well, I mean, I love eating humble pie and critique and vulnerability for breakfast. I just think that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And I'm not afraid to eat the S sandwich, if you know what I mean. Yep. So I just said, you know what? I opened up my notepad again. I said, you know, inserted his name. I go, can you please help me understand why you just said what you said? Damn. Dude. And for 45 minutes, I never said a word. Yeah. That was probably the highlight of his day. I mean, I took pages and pages and pages of notes. And what was really interesting, what I found out when it was all said and done, he goes, 
I wanted you to make it about me. I wanted you to ask questions about me, what my concerns were, what my issues are. You made it all about yourself, how great your company is, right? You asked these pre-screened questions, right, that you were reading off of something. And I could just tell. Mm-hmm. And I asked him this one question, Rich, that forever is stuck in my head. What would you do if you were me? <laughs> and he gave me a life lesson. Just be yourself. Yep. And he goes, you know what? Be the polar opposite of it. every other sales schmuck who's walked in my office. And that. that was 20 years ago. And I promised myself when I got in the car, I would never, ever, ever do that again. Okay. This is really important. So, so that is uh, profoundly, you know, fortuitous for you clearly. Now you and I know that the audience of this show is transitioning service members uh, who are entering what I like to call act two of their lives. And my wife, myself, and millions of or thousands of other people that we know are usually in the strange way pinned as excellent for sales coming out of the military, which is beyond me. Um, Maybe part of it is the fact that it is a visceral transition to begin with Mm -hmm. and that they know they could be like, here's this shitty base salary and you'll get this commission and you could wear these cheap suits and and whatever. And I landed in a role similar to that and I, I hated it. But my question to you is, you don't have to hate it, right? Like you, you, can, you, can, you can zag when everyone else zigs like you did. Uh, but in that moment where you were lucky enough to get this kind of tutelage, mentorship, whatever you want to call it, where this CFO took all this time for you, for those who don't get that, where is that kind of point where they need to realize they're kind of diverging and they're just like, this isn't me, bro. You know, and, and what should they do in that moment when they, when they start to realize they're kind of falling in love with uh, the potential earnings <laughs> and, and, and all the other stuff? Well, you, you, and, that, and that's a great point, Rich, because, you know, let me flip it just for a second. I mean, I'm going to get back to exactly what you said. Sure. But, you know, I started in sales and, and I'm not I'm kind of dating myself, but that's okay. But I I say it to prove a point. I started my sales career the tail end of 1987. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, quite a while ago. And I didn't get into sales like most people get into sales because, you know, they see dollar signs. Yep. Right. I made, I made $18,000 my first year in sales. And quite frankly, I thought I was rich. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I got a car allowance and I made 18 freaking thousand dollars a year. That's like what, you know, some people make in, on one commission check. Right. Yep. But I didn't get into it for that reason. I got into it because I love the art behind sales. I like the relationship building part of this. I like to drive conversation. I like to engage. And it was just the way I was raised Mm -hmm. that I enjoyed helping people. And I knew if I could do that, then obviously money would be there. Yeah. But along the way, you're going to get bumps and bruises. And you're going to eat the shit sandwich. Pardon the expression. You're good. 
And, but thanks, but we got to understand that and we got to be willing to eat critique and humble pie. And, you know, and I know your background, right? The background that you were raised in, you ate critique and humble pie every single freaking day. I <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So it, 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 it's no different. It's just now it's just, you just got to flip the roles a little bit because I, I think your character makeup and, and the character makeup of, you know, men and women who are transitioning into sales is no different. You already have it inside you. Hmm. It's service um, is what it is. And I think one thing that you hit on was so so you love the game you said right the game but the game the game to everyone else is manipulation persuasion like i mean i know you know this but yeah. like how, how many sales people are like oh i, I got them right and maybe it's not just not necessarily you know they mean it in a bad way but that that kind of thrill of victory of getting the sale how would you tell some of the listeners to distinguish the feeling of achieving, you know, a great sale or getting someone to buy something versus the longer road of truly providing someone value, even if it's not going to make you a ton of money up front? Yeah, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I was, I was in the very beginning, I really never had mentors. That can help me along the way. I had to learn this along the way, but I also just said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to treat people the way I'd expect to be treated if I was in their position. Mm -hmm. And now when, when I coach salespeople today, I, I, I sh this is what I ask them to think about is if you want to have an ever flowing sales funnel, you must have an ever flowing relationship funnel. Mm. And that's what I want people to think about um, in sales is this, is funnel never lies. And you know that. Yep. Is when, you, when your sales funnel looks like the Sahara Desert and it's dry, right? <laughs> and you're, you know, you're thirsty for your next deal. You're going to say and do things that you probably wouldn't do. And that's just face it. That's freaking reality. Yeah. I've been there as well. And everybody's been there. So let's just get this one out on the table. But what I'm saying is if, if every day you can pay attention to your relationship funnel and how you open conversations and how you build new relationships, and if that relationship funnel is full rich, I promise you this, so will your sales funnel. Yeah. I, I am a thousand percent experiencing that right now. I'm, it's just funny you say that because I'm at this strange point where I'm having, and don't get me wrong, like I'm still actively prospecting, seeing who I could offer value to, but there's more emails, LinkedIn messages than ever before. And it is honestly just through this weird but real string of relationships I've built ever since I started you know, running this thing. So I, I know what you're saying to be accurate and to be true. Now I need to get into a question I thought of earlier, but you were uh -huh. on a roll and I can't wait to get your take on this. I think elevator pitches are bullshit. I think 
No one's ever gotten hired in an elevator. I think that is very quickly the way to not be yourself. However, this is something we are taught, I mean, civilians and military members, whatever it is, like know your story, know what you're offering, make them curious, blah, 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 blah. Here you are, Larry, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever you want, and you are at another networking event or a business event, whatever it is, and you're walking up, there's a three people gathered around, and there you are, you are going to make the most of this, and you are going to network. What do you do that can separate you from doing what everyone else does, the elevator pitch, the business card, me, me, me. Uh, what, what can you do that is going to probably leave a lasting impression? And actually, before that, do you, what is your take on the elevator pitch? And then, and then what do you do to separate yourself? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I, quite frankly, I hate the term elevator pitch, mm-hmm. right? It just, it, again, it goes back to, these were the things that I, you know, that I, it was ingrained in me in 1987 and into 88, right? When, mm-hmm. when I was just in sales. And, and I, w- it was, I believe that you need to understand what your value proposition is, what you bring, how you can open a conversation. And that's what I really want to key in on, Rich, mm-hmm. is I think that's where people, that's where many in sales struggle is they don't know the value they bring because they haven't looked inside. They don't even know how they can help somebody. And, and, it, and it's so, and, and, and I know this because if you ask any salesperson and you throw any salesperson out on the, you know, you throw a spotlight on him and you ask them to role play with you. And mm-hmm. after they get up off the chair because they've just crapped in their pants because they got a role play <laughs> and, and you, and you ask them, Hey, you know, you meet somebody, right? You meet Mr. Big or Mrs. Big. And that's somebody you want to do business with. And they ask you, Rich, can you tell me what you do? And you, and all you muster up is, right, I'm an account executive for ABC company. Mm-hmm. Dude, you guys, you've just blown it. Would you yep. agree? Oh, yeah. Of course. And so, so what I want people to understand is what is it that you do that helps somebody solve a particular issue, right? Because I believe in sales or selling outcomes, right? You're helping people solve issues they may or may not even know they have. Yes, that's, right. Yeah. Oh, that's a huge one. So, you know, and I'm in and out of Uber, you know, rides all the time because I travel as well. Mm-hmm. And I, my mind's always constantly changing because I want to catch somebody off guard. I want somebody to go, what did you just say? But that's just me. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to say, you know what, if, if somebody adjusts their mirror, if I'm in a, cause it happens inevitably, right? You travel rich, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. And if, and if somebody says, Hey, you know, what brings you to, you know, whatever city, right? Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I say, Hey, you know, I'm here cause I'm working with a client. You know, I specialize in helping salespeople prevent from prevent themselves from being an empty suit. <laughs> Is Tell that- me more. Yeah. Tell me more. First of all, they're going to go, what the heck did you just say? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. And then it gives you the opportunity to explain or right. I'm leading the revolution on bringing authenticity and integrity back into sales. And this is why I believe it's so important. 
And what I challenge salespeople to really get is you clearly, concisely, and with conviction, you got to buy into it yourself. If you're just reciting it to say it, you're going to get called out on the carpet and they're going to ignore the hell out of you. Yeah. But we, don't spend, but we don't spend enough time. And I go, the reason why salespeople, I, I believe, struggle to open up those conversations and position themselves as differently as possible is they don't know what to say because they've been coached, trained, and whatever to say the same thing all the time. And this is hard because sales managers and VP of sales, right? I mean, read any value proposition that they ask salespeople to recite. And what do you think it's all about? <laughs> them. Them. It's their company, right? We've been in business, blah, 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 right? We provide outstanding this. We're going to help you do this. Nobody really cares. Yep. You're right. How about this? Should you sell things, or products, or services if you are in the sales role? If you fall on hard luck and you're getting out and you are, are fortunate to be selling, I have no idea, water heaters, I, I'm making something random up. Should you sell things that you don't necessarily believe in or give a shit about? No. My opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's hard because if I can't put my heart behind something, if I can't get excited about something, then why? Yeah. Um, and, and I can't, I'm going to throw a word out. People yeah. who are listening may or may not agree with me. And you know what? That's okay. Of course. Is because we're all entitled to our own opinions. But <laughs> we, I can't deceive somebody mm. and, and live with myself and, and pretend that this is the next best thing that's going to help their business when deep down inside, I really, it's not. Yeah. I assume go flip freaking burgers at, at Burger King. Yeah. If I was in that, if I needed to make a buck and, and I'm keeping it simple is if, if deep down inside in your heart, right. If what you're selling is not going to have an impact to that person, or help their company do better business and then help their employees' lives become better inside that business, then don't freaking sell it. Go find something that aligns to who you are and find a company that aligns to who you are. And that's where magic happens. But too, but too many people I think are just selling things to sell it and you can sense it. Yes. It's, you know, it's, you know, we're almost heading into 2020 yep. and, and I, and I, and I really believe in my heart that people are waving the flag and, and they're, they're saying, you know what, enough's enough salespeople, right? I agree. Uh, I have two more questions. This one is, uh, I'd like your take on what I think, I, I hate the word hack or secret or whatever. That is, that, that is just literally something, uh, you know, to help you click on the next funnel or whatever it is. But, but I do believe this. I believe that I know you I know, uh, yeah, again, we already talked about some of the same people uh, that we know, kind of the same ecosystem of, mm -hmm. of you know, ethos and, and values and all that. I think the mark of someone truly remarkable in sales or marketing is if I can't solve your problem, 
with my skill set or my service or my product, but I just happen to be having a great conversation with you and I point you in the direction of Larry or Rich who does videos for businesses or whatever it may be, I think that is the true, true, you know, selling from the heart. And I wanted to get your take on that if, if that's kind of helped you in any way where, where you might be unable to assist, but you redirect to others who can. I think it's, I think it's mission critical that we do it. And, and here, and here, I, I don't think enough people do it. Yeah. And it, and it goes back to this rich funnel never lies. Yep. And that's unfortunate because here, here's how we can peel this thing back. If I know that I can't help you rich, but I have four or five other people in my network that I think might be a better fit. It would be my, in my best interest to introduce you yes. for, for, for this simple reason. One, Rich is just going to be blown away for one, <laughs> yeah. right? And then Rich is also going to go, I, I'm going to remember that. And you will probably tell 10 or 15 other people that story that just happened to you. Yep. I bet you, you will. I completely agree. And, uh, and, and I, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, last year, I actually walked away from a deal. Mm. I knew in my heart it wasn't right. And I told the owner of the company, in my heart, in, it's not in our best interest to do this. I could not take your hard-earned corporate dollars and deposit it into my bank account. Hmm. Because... I can just tell it's just, it's not the right fit. That's crazy. It's, it's, it's not that, it's not that we don't like each other, right? It's not that we don't respect each other. It's just that what I'm going to deliver you, you, I don't think your company's ready for. <laughs> I'm with you. And, but how many people would say that? And, and he, and you know, he appreciated it. And I said, you know, you might be better off just, you know, sticking with some of the, the training that you've been getting and just continue down that road. But how many people would do that? How many people would have it inside them to, to actually say that? I'm sure there are, but I think, you know, I always say this is, and when I worked with my clients, I said, you know, the best stories are told through your client's eyes. Ooh. The best stories are told through your prospects eyes. Now, can you imagine what would happen if you actually walked away? How much credibility you would gain with that person? Then if you said, you know what, here's three or four other people that I feel might be able to help you in my network. I'm going to bridge those introductions. And then I want you to let me know how, what happens. Yeah. And then I can still connect to you. I can still play off your network. I can still drive, you know, recommendations and referrals and things like that. And it doesn't mean that at some point in the distant future, it might be a right fit, but yep. it goes, it goes back to what I said before, Rich, is if we're not looking at funnels from a sales funnel and relationship funnel, it's hard for somebody to do what we're talking about. Hmm. Um, man, like I just I keep having these images. I think I'm going to have to make a promo for a clip from this podcast with, with the Sahara <laughs> desert. Cause like, you know, I'm thinking of like the funnels and, and then I'm thinking of an empty funnel and a full funnel and it's just all these images going through my head. But that is, um, that is really good stuff. And my, my last question is, okay, 
here is uh, Staff Sergeant Cardona, who's getting out. Uh, he was an infantry guy, uh, but he, he landed a role at this company that offered him a sales position. He's happy with the sales position. He's happy with the base. He's happy with the commissioning structure, et cetera. Um, what would you tell this person is selling from the heart? And by that, I mean, how the hell do you forego your own shit to try and get to the personal level like the CFO wanted you to, to solve their problem? Them, the individual, how the hell do you get there? Yeah, I'm going to keep it really simple. And I speak about it all the time. I've even created a hashtag around it. It's speed to heart. Mm -hmm. It's how fast can I get to somebody's heart where they go, you know what? This person's different. Mm. And, and, and here's why is we've taken the human and, and I get a lot of zingers out there, but I said, you know what? In, in the sales world today, we have dehumanized sales. If you want to humanize sales, get to somebody's heart as fast as possible by being a normal freaking human being <laughs> and watch what happens. Yep. And, and, it, and it, was, it was interesting because even on my podcast, this goes back a couple months ago, we had a guest on and we were talking about the commoditization of sales and how salespeople are viewed. And I said this, right? And I go, no disrespect to the sales world, no disrespect to anybody in it. But the difference between your product and your competitor's products, there's not that much of a difference. Yes. Right. And, and you know, it, it might be tweaked a little bit different, right? Um, there's not too much difference in the level of service between your company and some one of your competitors. Now, I'm looking at this through the person's eyes who counts the most. And that's your client and your prospect. Yep. Right. We look at things through a different set of glasses as salespeople than our clients and prospects do. That's a topic of a whole nother discussion. But we all operate in this sea of sameness and we're all viewed as a freaking commodity because we've done it to ourselves. If you want to be perceived as being a genuine, genuine, authentic person who knows what it means to sell from the heart, then the faster you get to somebody's heart, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. And, and, you know, I really hope everyone out there listening understand. You could hear the conviction. Uh, there's, I, I know Larry and, and, and there's no exaggeration here. He means that he believes that he's thrived off it. He's written about it. He talks about it on his podcast. Um, and actually you just brought me back to a few weeks ago when I was in Boston and uh, I was at a conference and I saw Daniel Meyer, finder of Shake Shack. And he goes, we're serving burgers just like everyone else. Yeah. We're serving fries just like everyone else. He goes, the thing is, out of 100, the highest you could get on service is a 49. He goes, but you could get a 51% on hospitality. And I was just like, what is he talking about? And he went into this anecdote about, you know, if the burgers cooked exactly right, if the silverware was perfect, if the waiter was timely, but the experience itself and the way you were treated was completely different than the next place over, that is what will catapult you, which is exactly, uh, you know, consistent with what you're saying and selling from the heart. 
service, you know, in itself is, is just one aspect of it all. So I appreciate you leading the charge and then trying to, you know, do away with the empty suits and, and change the, change the game and revolutionize, uh, what's going on out here. And I know, uh, a lot of what you talked about is already applicable to me. So that's obviously a positive byproduct of interviewing awesome people like you. I get to learn and just take it. No, I, I, I love this stuff. But I mean, can, can I expound on something you just yeah, said? Go ahead. Because I think this, this is really key. And I, and I really want your listeners to, to, grab, to grab a hold of this. If you guys and gals can grab a hold of this, I promise you this. You will see substantial levels of success beyond your belief is you always have to be providing an outstanding experience. And I'll take it one step farther. Mm -hmm. You got to create those experiences and memories that somebody can capture and retell to somebody else. But here's the issue and the challenge I'm going to lay down the hammer to salespeople on. <laughs> is what experiences and what memories are you providing your clients right now mm. that they can capture and retell? And it might be a difficult one to swallow, but I was always in the, in the world that I came out of, which was broken promises, high turnover, right? Just love them and leave them. It wasn't too hard to wow somebody. Because yep. they were used to substandard everything. But I always say this, you got to constantly be on your game. Mm -hmm. Because I don't care what you're selling, your clients and prospects are asking for so much more now than they ever have before. Yes. And I always say, man, you got to continue to bring the freaking Disneyland experience <laughs> to your clients. Mm. Because listen, I mean, it's been a long time and I'm dating myself. It's been a long freaking time since I've been at Disneyland. I've grown up in Southern California my whole life. <laughs> but, um, but here's the deal. Why does Disneyland continue to raise the price year over year over year over year over year? Hmm. And people still go in droves? Because they capture memories and experiences and people don't care because when they go in there, they have a great time. They're well taken care of and they go out and tell everybody else the fantastic experience they just had at Disneyland. Yep. Now, it's why crazy. can't the sales world do the same thing? Capture experiences and memories and tug on people's heartstrings and watch what starts to happen. Oh, man. Larry, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on to the Leadership Blocker. I have no doubt in my mind that everyone will take away as much value as I took away. And um, I really hope uh, that if people want to look you up, they can find you. Uh, where, where can they find you if they want to look into your book or your podcast? Uh, where should they look you up? Uh, you, you can find you can find everything about selling from the heart at sellingfromtheheart.net. You can gain access to downloading the first three chapters of my book if you if you choose to do so. Uh, you can listen to Selling from the Heart on your favorite podcast app. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on on Instagram. 
Nice. I'm, I'm out there. I love spreading the message. I love working with sales teams. I love coaching salespeople. I'm a firm believer of this. And I'll leave you with this, Rich. And by the way, I really sincerely appreciate you having me on. Oh, of course, of course. Is, 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 this is what I want people to, to, to take away, is if you want to understand what it means to sell from the heart, you got to give and lead from the heart. And if mm. you can learn how to give with your heart and lead with your heart, then you'll understand what it means to sell from the heart. Love it. I love it. Well, thank you again. And we will be in touch in the very near future. Dude, I, you know what? I can't wait to personally freaking shake your hand. dude. <laughs> yeah, man. I, well, I'll t I told you I'm going to be in LA uh, next month. So, so I could probably make it happen, but I, I'm, I'm really really excited that we got connected and I'm really excited that we got to talk at length about this instead of, uh, you know, just bullshit. And, you know, like the first couple of times we talked, we were just having a conversation. It was perfect. And I'm like, we, we really got to take this to the next level. So no, we, dude, it's all good. yeah, we appreciate you having, uh, having you on as a guest and uh, I'll let you know when it comes out. No, I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. All right, You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Leadership Locker. For more about us, how we can serve you, and for other episodes, please visit richcardonamedia.com backslash podcast. If you liked this episode a lot or little, please don't forget to subscribe so that way my guests and I can continue to deliver some heat and get you the knowledge that you want. Don't miss an episode. Please join our Facebook group so you get much more exclusive content. Take care.